Okay, let's get it. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you with us. Of course, you can catch me every week afternoon on ESPN Radio in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Louisiana, and a TV simulcast on Cox Sports Television. So, uh, quick 20 minutes or so today, uh, as we do every day here on the podcast. If you're new here, thanks for being here. We'll get to your questions. Um, one of the questions I got asked a ton yesterday was about uh, mostly about Elias Ricks, the five-star cornerback out of California that committed on Christmas Day, and what it means for LSU, will they keep him, big picture, all that sort of stuff. And uh, so I went and got some professional opinions on that. Steve Wiltfong, who is the director of recruiting for 247 Sports Nationally, uh, spoke with him yesterday on After Further Review. We'll let you hear some of that here shortly and what he said about uh, – the Rick's commitment, what it means for LSU perception-wise, and if LSU can hang on to him. There was um, some actually really very sad news that broke on uh, late on Wednesday evening. And that's that uh, Kerry Vincent Sr., the father of LSU cornerback Kerry Vincent Jr., uh, died on, um, on Wednesday. Apparently, he had battled uh, two bouts with pneumonia. He actually had a pneumonia-induced coma. Um, and he was 49 years old. The f- news was first broken by PANews.com. Um, he was a former teacher, coach in uh, Port Arthur, Texas. And um, unfortunately, uh, tragically, uh, died just uh, the day after Christmas. So, uh, Kerry Vincent Jr. on Twitter Wednesday, uh, around uh, just shortly before 6 o'clock, tweeted, I love you, Daddy. Um, and I just can't even imagine the um, uh, the pain that Kerry Vincent Jr. is experiencing and what that family must be experiencing to suddenly lose lose your father at you know 49 years old. Um, I, I I wish I could give more information, more detailed information. I just don't have it. Uh, and I know there's a very obvious question that, as it pertains to the football program, people are going to ask, and that's whether or not Kerry Vincent will play in the bowl game, and I unfortunately don't have that answer for you either. Um, what I do know is that LSU departs from Baton Rouge uh, at 2.30 today, Thursday, 2.30 Central Time for the Baton Rouge Airport. They're scheduled for a 3 o'clock takeoff uh, toward the Phoenix area. I don't know if there will be media availability in Baton Rouge. Uh, the media is invited to, to video the team as they're loading the buses and such. I don't know if anyone will answer questions. I do know there will be a press conference with Ed Ogeron, Devin White, and Nick Brissett as soon as the team lands. That pre- press conference will be at the airport this evening in Phoenix. Um, and my guess is they'll address a lot of what people are interested in, uh, the availability of Clyde edwards Elair, and now clearly the availability of, uh, of Kerry Vincent Jr. Um, and it's not that they wouldn't be allowed to participate. It's just that emotionally, you know, do these young men want to participate in a bowl game and the, in the bowl week festivities when they're dealing with tragedies? And, you know, but in the, the literal sense of the term, a tragedy involves a death. And obviously Clyde edwards Elair and Jared Small were involved in a fatal shooting this past weekend. And now Kerry Vincent Jr. has uh, seen his dad pass away at the age of 49. So, um, it, it, it would be speculative. Anything beyond that, I don't know. Um, obviously, there's a very sincere question at defensive back for LSU with the injury to Christian Fulton and with Greedy Williams declaring for the NFL draft. If 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 Kerry Vincent 
does not play in the bowl game either. And that's speculative. Again, it's important to point out at this point that it's speculative. That sure chops into LSU's depth. But um, I don't think anybody could blame that young man for, for whatever decision he might make at this point that he feels is best for for himself and, and for his family. So uh, when we know something, we'll certainly pass it along. And I'm sure that's something that we'll, we'll at least get some early clarity on uh, from Ed Ogeron when he meets with the media today, either in Baton Rouge or when the team lands in Phoenix. But it is the Locked On LSU podcast, your team every day. Very glad to have you aboard with us. Um, it's hard to believe, man, but today's Thursday. I mean, we're four, five days away from kickoff of LSU and Central Florida. So uh, I did have a chance to, to chat with uh, former LSU Tiger Ryan Clark on After Further Review yesterday. I got his opinion on the game. You'll hear that coming up shortly. We'll grab a quick break, and when we come back, uh, you'll hear from Steve Wiltfong. Again, the question so many of you had yesterday on the podcast and when we did the mailbag was about five-star cornerback Elias Ricks out of the 2020 class out of California. Uh, how sticky is he to LSU? Could he have the Pied Piper effect? Can they maintain that commitment? What does it mean long-term for this program? Uh, perception, we got in a lot of that with Steve Wiltfong. You'll hear that when we come back. Locked on LSU Podcast, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And I started by asking Steve his uh, reaction to the news that Ricks had committed to LSU on Christmas Day. Well, honestly, I was surprised that it was trending that way. Um, just because it's a kid from Santa Ana, California, Matter Day, who, you know, you often... Uh, Seven times out of ten, you say that kid's going to USC, you're going to be right. And then if it's not USC, it's maybe he's a Stanford lean for obvious reasons in that regard or uh, in Alabama maybe or in Oregon, the way Oregon, Oregon's number one in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, you don't see too many California kids um, off the top of my head flocking to the SEC, but um, that's definitely a huge pickup in Ed Orgeron. Uh, these were when 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 Ed Orgeron lost the interim label and was named next head coach. Uh, one thing that you were sure you were getting was a head coach that was going to recruit at a high level, and LSU was doing that. So that was kind of the interesting thing in in 2018, right, Steve? So I mean that that's always been the mo with Coach O. We knew he was going to recruit. Well, last year was a disappointing class. I mean that not landing Pat Sertain, not landing a quarterback. There was a lot of prospects LSU was in on they didn't get. It was lowest-rated class, we all know, in, you know, in more than 10 years. So they've obviously rebounded, and now this news and what they have already in tow for 2020, how would you describe the LSU brand nationally right now when it comes to, to recruiting circles? Well, look, I'm not going to feel sorry for LSU signing the – number 15 class in the country out of like the 100, 121 Division One teams or whatever the number is right now. So uh, if that's a down year for the Tigers, that just shows you what what the recruiting is like. And, and they had three top 100 recruits in that class last year and one of the top receiver classes in, in the country. 
Um, so it, it was it a typical LSU year? No, but but they certainly got it going uh, right now. Uh, LSU showed some flashes of, of taking that step towards being a New York Six regular playoff contender this year, and, and, and so there's some excitement with that um, as the as they hit the trail and, and try and add the pieces necessary to get this program over the hump and into those important bowl games at the end of the year. Uh, Steve Wiltfong's with us. He's the director of recruiting for 247 Sports. He's on Twitter at SWiltfong247. You mentioned DBU. Uh, is that something that plays nationally? Like, would Does that reputation, moniker that we all mention here, is that something that would be appealing to someone like Elias Ricks? Well, all these young men are, they envision a future of playing in the NFL. And LSU, the amount of guys that have come out of this secondary and, and get drafted and, and get drafted high. I mean, hell, I'm, I'm eating uh I got my my morning bourbon. It's the holidays, and out of the corner of my eye, I got Dante Jackson running one back for Carolina. You know, as one of the best plays of the season. So, um, yes, that's something that is very relevant on the recruiting trail. When not only are you producing NFL guys, but you're producing NFL guys that are household names. All these corners know who Patrick Peterson is. It's one. You know, there's a lot of guys that are playing in the NFL having cups of coffee in the NFL and college coaches are pointing to these guys and saying, we produce NFL talent and, and they legitimately do, but it's not as sexy as Penn state saying Saquon Barkley, you know, yeah. or, or, or Oklahoma saying Baker Mayfield and now Kyler Murray um, or, or LSU pointing to all their stud DBs that are, are, are among the NFL's best players right now, you know, led by Patrick Peterson and, and Corey Webster and, and, and obviously, Tyron Matthew uh, was as famous as it got. Uh, you know, those are those are guys that are are uh, well well known. Uh, let's go back to Eli- uh, Elias Ricks here for a second. Um, we've talked about uh, obviously five star, all that stuff, the LSU pedigree. H- how good of a player is he now, especially relative to other guys that you've seen come through this pipeline? Well, I've, I've seen Elijah Ricks a couple times in a camp setting, and he is a 6280 and as long as you're going to find at the position. Had a game this year. We had three pick sixes, finished the year with nine interceptions, nine pass breakups, playing in one of the most competitive high school football leagues in the country at at Matter Day. Uh, he's seeing Division One receivers and tight ends weekly. The, the, the amount of talent, the amount of recruited talent in that division is off the charts. And he was a dominant football player for a team that's been pretty dominant the last couple of years. Um, so, uh, and then we've seen him on the camp setting, check older division one receivers and, and more than hold his own. So we love him. He's our number two corner in the 24 seven sports top two, four, seven player rankings, but in the composite, he's number one. Um, when you add up, all the recruiting services together, he spits out as the number nine player overall. So it's a hell of a hell of a pickup for LSU. That's you know, as we talked about, off to a great start in 2020. Um, they have four commits in the top 100 right now. What do you think, uh, based on what you know about him and his recruitment, the chances are that his recruitment sticks for a year? I'm always skeptical of these early commitments, not just him, 
But if it, it, it's a kid that commits to an out-of-region school um, that I don't even think has really completely gone through the process. I know Rick's has taken a lot of visits, but I, I just – these schools aren't going to go away. You know, LSU's got to recruit him like he's uncommitted, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean I'm hearing anything. It's just that's how I feel about everything. You know, Derek Wingo from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale committed to Penn State um, on, on Christmas, and forgetting another big Christmas pickup. There was three. You had Ricks, you had Wingo, and you had uh, uh, G. Scott, uh, who's also from the West Coast, the receiver from Washington State. Who committed to Ohio State? I'm, you know, all three of those schools, in my opinion, they're tremendous pickups. All four-star, top two, four-seven kids, and you're fired up. Um, but in my opinion, just says you lead right now. Let's see what happens. Could, uh, if that commitment sticks, could Ricks be a, a, a Pied Piper of sorts, you know, a, a top recruiter well, for the class? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's. He's someone that everyone in 2020 knows. And, and so him speaking on behalf of LSU and uh, uh, being committed to LSU, it, it really opens the eyes to kids out of the region. You know, LSU is going to do a good job with kids from Louisiana and in that SEC region. Um, but now having Elias Ricks in the boat at a position where you can play multiple guys, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. He is Steve Wiltfong, Director of Recruiting 247 Sports on Twitter at SWiltfong247. To put a bow on the conversation, uh, two and a half years there about in with Ed Ogeron at the helm for LSU. I guess yeah, about two, two and a half years. Uh, big picture as far as the perception of this program in recruiting circles. How would you describe it? Well, you go 9-4 and four in year one and lose to a Notre Dame team that's now playing in the college football playoff in the Citrus Bowl. You're 9-3 this year with a chance to win 10. You're, so you're taking a step forward, and, and you got Joe Burrow back next year. Um, so you beat UCF, and, and you get to 10 wins, and uh, you win your last one and, and try and close this recruiting class strong. I, I like the trajectory um, of the of the program and, and think that it's trending It's trending better than it was Um before Coach Orgeron was hired. So you're moving forward. It's just in the, in the college football landscape, you know, some, you know, they're moving fast enough. I'm, I like the way it's moving, but you just know how quickly people can second guess. And Brian Kelly could be on the hot seat in a year at Notre Dame, you know, again, after going 12-0. and 0. So it's just a funny – college football is funny and expectations are funny, but as it stands right now, how can you not be excited about with the the way LSU is moving right now under this current regime? Again, that was Steve Wildfong, National Director of Recruiting for 247 Sports, a Wednesday on After Further Review, my daily radio show that you can hear uh, in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, and the TV simulcast uh, on Cox Sports Television or anytime at 1045ESPN.com. Final break here. We'll come back into your mailback questions, and I want you to hear from Ryan Clark, former LSU Tiger, now ESPN analyst, his thoughts on the LSU Central Florida matchup, which is coming up on Tuesday. This is Locked on LSU, your team every day. All right, wrapping up another edition of Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll get to your mailback questions here in a quick second. One of the things I found interesting and do find interesting uh, with this Fiesta Bowl looming is the question of motivation. I've been asked it a ton by now. I think you know where I stand on it. 
Um, I think LSU is pumped to play in this game because as a program, they haven't been in a major bowl since the end of the 2011 season. I asked that question in some form to, uh, to Ryan Clark, former LSU Tiger, now, of course, an analyst on uh, ESPN, spent 13 years in the NFL. I asked him the question about motivation as it pertains to LSU for the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think coaches ever waver from what they do coaching. You know, I don't think I think coaches focus on winning and winning as much as you can because the game is winning, and you want to be able to say that you put up double-digit wins in the season. That's important to them. That won't change. Coaches are continuing to coach for the next season for recruiting. All those things stay the same. The intensity in which the work is approached will be the same. Now, what happens is this though: when I when when, when I went to LSU to win a national championship, when I went to LSU to win an SEC championship, and I don't, and now I'm just playing an extra game, which really doesn't matter because there's a college football playoff now, how how willing am I to risk being hurt? How willing am I that when I got to stand, stare down the barrel and throw this pass and this deep tackle is come bearing down on me, how willing, how willing am I to get hit in the chin? If I'm a linebacker, how many times do I want to go downhill and take on this guard? Do I still want to keep doing it each and every play in a game that really needs something to me? And this is subconscious, right? You're not going to be asking yourself these questions, but we're human. Mm-hmm. And not only are these kids human, they're kids, right? They're, 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 they're not adults. They're, they're, they're not being paid for this. This is not their profession. This is not, their, this is not what, how they'll feed their family today. And I think some of those things just come into play. <clears throat> you know, it's like a bar fight. You know, Moscona, a lot of people that win bar fights don't win bar fights because they're skilled fighters. They win bar fights because they want it more than the other guy. And if you can't match the intensity of the people on the other side, no matter who's coaching you, I mean, you can have Mr. Miyagi or Mickey from, from Rocky in your corner. If you don't want it more than Clever Lane, you're in trouble. And I think that's what you, what you have to wonder is how much the kids on the field who, one, when you go to Central Florida, you're usually going because that's the best school you can go to. When you sign up to go to LSU, you're going to win a national championship, and you don't have that option this year. Again, that's Ryan Clark talking about motivation for the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, That was on After Further Review, my radio show. You can go catch the full interview with Ryan. We did talk a lot about LSU with some of the defensive personnel that they're missing, how much of a drop-off there will be, and if he thinks LSU will ultimately beat Central Florida. Uh, That's all on uh, AFR On Demand, 1045ESPN.com. You can go check out the full interview at 1045ESPN.com. Uh, as we come down the home stretch here, Locked on LSU podcast, as we do every day, we do the mailbag segment. If you're not familiar, started this last week uh, on Facebook Live. Instead of making the call for mailbag questions on Twitter, I open up my Facebook uh, page. Uh, it's at Matt Moscona AFR. We do a Facebook Live, and we do a live Q&A here with you. So uh, if you found the podcast, also go find my Facebook page. Uh, make sure you set the notifications so you get notified when I go live, and that way you can uh, you can watch us here on the uh, the Facebook Live and get your questions answered. So, all right, let's go. Uh, mailback questions. Stephen Miller, yo, Matt, better beneficial for LSU in the Fiesta Bowl, get the ball first or second. Um, the numbers would always tell you uh, defer to the second half because what you'd like to do is kind of what amounts like a two-for-one in basketball at the end of the half where, you know, at the end of the half in football – you could get the last possession of the first half and then the first possession of the second half. We actually saw that with the Saints this last weekend where that the field goal right before half, got the ball to start the second half, scored a touchdown. So they had 10 unanswered points, gave themselves a 10-point lead. Um, in this game, though, I very much would like, if, especially if you feel like you have an advantage 
offensively to go set the tone. I'd love to see LSU be aggressive, take the ball, and go put together a, a 10, 11, 12-play drive, maybe a 12-play drive with 10 runs, and you just oppress your opponent and get an early lead. I, that's, I'm not sure that's what they do because percentage-wise, that's not the smart play, but I would not be at all disappointed if I saw LSU, if they win the toss, take the ball, and um, – and go put together a really nice sustained drive to set the tone in a game like that. Uh, Stephen Bro said, Matt, your biggest takeaway from LSU's win over Furman. Um, I, uh, two things. The, well, the biggest was, was 50 points in the paint. And the thing for me that was um, the most disappointing about this team early, and it goes to show you how teams can develop in the early couple of months of the season, is that despite their size and their length and their physicality, they were playing too much of a perimeter game. This team has the ability to pound the ball in the paint and get easy looks with guys like Nas Reed and Cavell Bigby-Williams, and they did that against an, an inferior team physically in Furman that just wants to you know, lag out and shoot three. I think they attempt the second-most three-pointers in the, in the NCAA, Furman does. So LSU defended the three-point line, and then they just pounded the ball in the paint, scored 50 points in the paint. The other was Tremont Waters, um, who, who's – looks like he's starting to assert himself again which is LSU needs him to be to be great um my contention is that Javante Smart is a better pure point guard than Tremont but Tremont needs to be the best player on this team for this team to be a great team so those would be mine uh Grant uh Mayles says thoughts on uh O's start to the 2020 class talked about it a good bit on yesterday's podcast I think it's am- also on AFR yesterday I think it's it's amazing and so much of it is momentum because as you're building, uh, as you're building a roster that you feel like can compete for championships, it's one thing to sign a top five class one year, but if you want to be able to compete for a championship, you have to have a championship roster one to eighty-five, which means okay, you sign a top five class, now do it again next year, and the next, and the next, and now you've got four years of recruiting like that, which suggests that your your roster is going to be whole enough to compete with the best teams in the country, and the twenty nineteen roster, if they piggyback that. With a great 2020 class, you're starting to build toward that. And the other reason that the start to the 2020 class is so impressive is that they've been able to cast a wide net and get guys from outside of Louisiana because it's not a great year in Louisiana. So um, up for recruiting in 2020. Uh, so they'll, they'll need to pull some big prospects nationally and certainly getting uh, Elias Ricks is a big start to that. Um, Let's see. Uh, some some of you are asking uh, non LSU related questions. This is the Locked On LSU podcast. So some are asking about like Eli Apple with the Saints and my thoughts on the AAF, the um, the Amer- All American or the uh, so- Amer- Association, whatever it's called, uh, the, the new football league that um, you know Hugh Freeze was supposed to be an offensive coordinator in, and, and Steve Spurrier is a head coach in. Um, I I don't mind it. I just don't think it's going to work. I think um, it's it's been proved to this point that America doesn't have an appetite for another football league, and lots of different leagues have tried lots of different ways to do it. Um, I think it was the, the maybe the USAAF, like the United States American Association of Football, something like that, around 08, 09-ish. They had, I thought, the best model to date, uh, which was they, they played essentially in college towns and college campuses, and the players on the rosters were regional. So, like, if they had a team in Florida, 
players that played at Florida, Florida State, Miami, Central Florida, South Florida would all draw to that team because you're trying to create an emotional attachment. I thought that was the, the best model I've seen so far, and even that failed. So hard to imagine it succeeding, man. Um, NFL is just too big of a, uh, of a juggernaut. All right, a couple more. Steven says, if Kerry Vincent doesn't travel, can he still play in the bowl game? Absolutely. Uh, he can get there on, on his own. And we've seen that before at times, guys that were maybe ill or had a family matter that did not travel with the team that got there on, the, on their own. And my guess is, and this is a guess, that is my guess, I'm not knowing yet, but we'll find out this afternoon about Kerry Vincent and uh, his, his travel plans. But uh, I suspect that he'll play in the game. I don't know if he travels with the team today. Uh, let's see. Um, one more. Offense for the bowl game in the first half, more conservative, or does Ensminger try to take advantage um, of, uh, I guess that's of the UCF pass defense. Uh, remember, UCF's rush defense allows 227 rush yards a game. I would be completely content if LSU runs the ball 50 times and throws it 20 in this ball game or 18 and shortens the game and keeps UCF on ice. I, I, I'm, I just, I don't care how it looks. I just want LSU to win this game and and end Central Florida's win streak and, in a sense, put them in their place and establish the proper hierarchy uh, in college football. So, I, I think, I think that's how we'll see it go. Um, I think LSU's going to run the ball an awful lot. I've got no interest in balance. I have interest in LSU winning the game, and the way they win this game is running the football. So. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. Uh, another edition of Locked on LSU, your team every day. Again, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. However you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you for being there and help us uh, by spreading the word about the podcast. We're here every weekday, Locked on LSU, your team every day.